Hello everyone and welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast, where we take subjects and try and create some order from the disorder. But more likely, we're going to create some more disorder along the way. You can follow us on Twitter at Information Entropy Pod, Instagram at the Information Entropy Pod, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like. You can find us, you can download us onto your, your phones, your iPods if they're still going, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate us. It means uh, a lot to us and gets us uh, in front of more people so we can carry on making amazing podcasts. Uh, my name is Mitchell Gatting and today I'm joined by Tom. How you doing, Tom? Hello. I said yes, that like... I'm good, thank you. Specifically you didn't sound so today. sure. No, no, it was like today and all other days. <laughs> there are some today days. I'm joined there, by... There extra. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Tom. Tom, yes, yeah. Tom. No, that was the, the pause was me being like, <laughs> it's not just today, it's all those. Okay, and this week we are colliding straight into our topic, the Large Hadron Collider. But first, there's some news. Oh, mate, no cutting around today, is no, there? No, straight no. into mate, the, the subject. It is 24 degrees. <laughs> I know that's not a lot for a lot of people that probably listen, but it's 24 degrees here in Bristol. And I've got the window closed, so there's no noise from the street being picked up. And I'm already warm. We are one minute and 30 into this. I'm already warm. <laughs> toasty, toasty boy. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, no, we're not, we're not watching this. We had a first bit of rain this week. Anyway, yeah. We nice. tangented enough the past couple of uh, episodes. <laughs> we're moving on, finally. For those people who are glad. You know, when oh, we envisioned God. this, it was meant to be like an episodic one different topic every episode mm. seven episode nine episodes in we've done what three topics um space 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 cognitive biases senses animal senses large hadron collider so this is the yeah maybe three ish but i i would i would say cognitive biases and intellect was different from senses but yeah yeah okay that's fair so we've done well in not sticking <laughs> to our aim is what i'm saying um, but yeah, all right. I've got some uh, interesting news that's not quite relevant, but will be maybe by the time you're listening to this. Okay. Um, so we're not recording one whole week in advance th- this time. So in four days, mm-hmm. 12th of July, James Webb Space Telescope releasing yeah. some pictures, which I'm sure are going to be mind blowing. But did you see the ones that they just released? Yes, I did. Very, very weirdly detailed. Weirdly Which detailed. Which are insanely cool. Weirdly detailed. Just give that a quick Google if you haven't seen them yet. But the amazing thing that makes it even more amazing, really, is that these are just like collage pictures of the guidance system. Yeah. So if that's what the <laughs> guidance system sees, it's like, oh, she. <laughs> Very excited Very for the next stuff. few days to see what comes out of that beauty in the sky. Sure peer into the past, as it, as it will. As it will indeed, yeah. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, something to keep an eye out on. And my other piece of news. So typically, if you followed us in the podcast that must not be named, you'll know that whenever we covered a topic... The week after, there's some really exciting news would come out about it, <laughs> right? So continuing yep. our theory that this podcast specifically makes the scientific world go around, I have some news about some aphantasia. Oh, okay. Now, oh, okay. 
sometimes referred to as being blind in the mind, if you did not listen to our last couple of episodes, mm-hmm. it basically, a person does not have the ability to conjure mental images, use their mind's eye, if you will. Now, in 2020, a team of researchers led by cognitive neuroscientist Alexi Dawes from the University of New South Wales in Australia found that people with aphantasia have a reduced ability to remember the past and to envision the future. But they did a new study like a couple of weeks or at least it was published uh, last week. And they had 60 participants, 30 who have aphantasia and 30 that don't. And they, the participants completed basically an adapted version of the oil autobiographical interview where you're asked a series of questions about yourself and what you remember and how you might explain that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and basically, the current study provides the first robust behavioral evidence that visual imagery absence is associated with a significantly reduced capacity to simulate the past and construct future events. And it's saying that episodic memory, so how we normally categorize memories into distinct life events and stuff like that, and imagining the future are functionally very similar. Hmm. And before that, we just didn't know that they were basically worked the same way in the brain. We thought they were maybe two separate processes. But because people with aphantasia were unable to do both, it led to this study concluding, and this is obviously very watered down, that these two processes are actually fairly similar. And that's why people with aphantasia struggle to, one, remember things as well as people with a mind's eye, but also to, you know, that horrible interview question, where do you see yourself in 10 years? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, the world's blowing up. Yeah. That that, that question could be seen as quite ableist now. You can pull that card. Yeah, you like you try you oh, to get my yeah. I've got fantasia. I find that actually quite uh, insulting, discriminatory that you would bring up such a hurtful question. Yeah, but that's that's interesting because that's the theory that we had about them being able to create uh, memories or re- not create them, but like regurgitate them and me- pull them out of their brain. A bit yeah, because that's what we came to as a conclusion. It was, and basically we're right. Yeah. So so. <sighs> All I'm saying is, you're going to get the information here before it's ever published in a paper. Yeah, you come up with the good ideas and the scientists go actually do the research. Yeah, just wait until we come on to gravitational... <laughs> well, what did we even call it in the end? I, I don't know, but it was the, the the space increasing. Plate deduction, gravitation, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like tectonic... But it was um, gravity. Cosmic tectonics. That, Cosmic that'll do tectonics. for now. That sounds cool enough. Yeah, anyway, gravitational tectonics. Oof. That's a very weird reference for anyone who didn't listen to that one particular <laughs> segment a few months ago. <laughs> oh, um, so yes, people without the mind's eye, so it appears that imagery really helps with memory. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Well, who would have, who would have thought that? not people with Aphantasia, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what have, you, what have you got, mate? So, before I dive in, do you know, last episode, it wasn't ridiculing, 
but we're saying like we brought up people that play um games which are like the, the trucking simulator oh the plane yes. simulator that kind of stuff the simulator games and the, the truckers that you know have their job and they go up home and they play the trucking simulator yeah uh, i found one for me and most like millennials out there it's called home okay. clipper Ah, uh, yes, I have come across this. It's currently yeah. on the uh, the Xbox Game Pass, so free if you've got it. It's just like simple download, it's like 15 gigabytes. Um, and you essentially, you can go in and fix homes and do like odd jobs, like paint them all, redecorate, that kind of stuff. Uh, but when you get enough money, you can like buy houses. And I think it feeds into the idea that like, I'm just never going to be able to afford a house. <laughs> That's why I enjoy it. I actually that's fantastic. Like, but that's living a fantasy. Yeah. I don't think that's quite a parallel to the truckers no. well, doing their job as a trucker, then coming home and yeah. driving a simulated truck. Well, maybe that maybe it's like a truck driver who like works just uh, nationally. And it's then a does forklift like, driver the, yeah, who goes home and plays truck simulator. He goes like Euro truck simulator <laughs> and goes and like takes some things to like Kazakhstan or whatever. Yes. Okay. So yeah, all right. I see. Yeah, Uh, you've been doing well with your house flipping. Uh, yeah, no, it's actually pretty, pretty fun, pretty good. You you level up and get better at things like painting. So when you start off, it's quite slow because you can only paint like one segment at a time and use so much paint. But as you get better, you can put points into like being able to paint quicker and more segments, and you have less wastage on the paint. Oh, it's like a full-on RPG. Oh yeah, yeah. There's like skill trees and everything. It's really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't a House flipping simulator game be a full-on RPG and have better skill systems than Skyrim. Of course. Cool. <laughs> not, not quite on Skyrim's <laughs> level. But yeah, still still pretty still pretty good. Um one of the yeah, you get to become better at negotiating when you sell the houses. So if you buy them, you then obviously have to sell them and you there's people with certain categories and they need certain things like one bedroom, one bathroom, that kind of stuff. Um, right. and then you can go and negotiate with them and be like extra 10k jizz which is you know quite real unrealistic in the current market when the how like the it's pretty much the other way around and they would put 10k above but it is what it is it's quite fun living out the fantasies maybe maybe i'll, I'll look at it because the, the steam summer sale ends in a few hours oh mate go for it go for it yeah find something to pass the time yeah when we're not playing valorant and shooting people something i need to chill out with uh Trackmania houses. is the go-to. Ah, uh, that's true. Don't, don't At the minute. Them. Don't spoil their business model, so it's fine. What, free? Subscription games, no. It's uh, not free. Don't even try that. It, it's free with the caveat that if you want to play anything of the game, you need to pay the subscription. I've how, never how small I've been playing it, it for a few months. How small it is. Yeah. That's fair. That's mm. fair. All right. It's like loot boxes. Don't spoil that Instead shit. Instead of... Uh, bashing ubisoft at least they know ea <laughs> um what else EA. have you have you got so for my news i picked something i think you may have seen or may have picked up on or may know or if you haven't it's good news for the marine life uh but scientists have found that half of the world's fish stocks have recovered or are increasing we have a caveat on the or are increasing uh in the oceans that used to be overfished Okay, so that's another caveat. Yeah, yeah. So not all, <laughs> well, yeah. So because like, like the previous statistic was sixty-six percent of fish stocks are overstocked. 
So when you say 50% are improving or on the improve. Recovered. Recovered or improving. That's actually only 33%. Well, still a third of the world. Yeah. Stocks. So that is good. That is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Happy about that. So, yeah. So the new new research concludes that roughly 50% of the world's oceans fish stocks are recovering or have already recovered. Oh, and are now at the proposed target rates, which is another important thing. Um, okay. And it's thanks to some very highly effective fisheries management methods. So the report was published by the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America. So there may be some bias in there, we don't know. Uh, show that efforts of sustainable fishing can yield incredible results uh, and explain just how powerful the methods that they used can be. So I think there was a trial run of the different methods that they used for like maintaining a fishery and it's obviously proved to be very, very good. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So the Marine Stewardship Council, are you part of this council, Tom? Because if you're not, um, No, they're like, they walk around with like big cloaks on and ah, high okay. jackets. Yeah, yeah. And like, if you do something wrong, they just kind of magically appear with a with a clipboard okay. and shake their head at you. It's like, like OSHA. Tut, tut, tut. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That happens with, um, with me as well in my, my job. Um, <laughs> no, unfortunately, I, I'm not on this council. Yeah. Uh, so it's an organization that does base its core principles on the above uh, the the science and tries to implement it wherever it can. <laughs> on so the science. <laughs> yeah, so it uses the report that was published and then goes around and tries uh. to get fisheries to then sort of abide by it abide by it and if i guess incentivize people to join it um so the marine should cancel sustainable fishing equals upholding sustainable levels of fish stocks in the oceans uh protecting natural habitats and ecosystems and ensuring that people who depend on fishing can continue to having fishing as their livelihoods so it's not just fisheries that they go around doing it's like the uh the mangroves yeah, that's so very, fisheries, oh when, when you think of, when we think of fisheries, we'll think of like the place where literal fishermen and trawler go out. But fisheries is literally any place where a group of fishes or fish, as we discovered the difference last week, yeah, um, just reside. Mm-hmm. So a pool of fish. Dr. Lawrence Krauss reads a book last year, and in it he mentioned how they're digging away uh, mangroves for either build space or to create new waterways and how that's actually destroying the habitat and being more potentially damaged. So it's yeah. that, that'll, that'll come into it as well because then the fish don't have like places to live, the fishing livelihood goes down, all that sort of jazz. Yeah. Yeah. It's very the theory behind like managing a fish stock is very interesting. Mm. I don't know whether it's too dull for a podcast. <laughs> um, maybe. Okay. Well, wow. but it is incredibly <laughs> interesting to learn about. So if you're interested in that, hit us up, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, whatever, DMs out in the open, whatever you're feeling like that day. Yes. Let us know. And uh, maybe we can return to do a bit of an episode on that because Fish. there's like a sustainable yield where they're like, okay, this is the acceptable killing threshold. And this is the birth threshold we need to like keep it that at this certain level. Because if you kill enough of them, the fish end up reproducing more. But if you kill too many, they reproduce less. And if you let too many live, they reproduce less. So there's actually this weird number that you can calculate that makes the fish reproduce at a higher yield. Mm-hmm. 
even in the wild, this is obviously. Okay. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah. They there's a they have a an order to assessing the levels of sustainability. Three main principles, ah. if you will, to their their cloak and dagger, whatever you were describing. <laughs> so the first <laughs> Imagine one Imagine Gandalf but with a clipboard. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much Gandalf was anyway. Um <laughs> sustaining fish stock, the first principle. So that's making sure there are enough fish always in the sea. And that stock remains healthy and productive, as you just said. The next one is minimizing environmental impact. So that's ensuring that carefully managed fishing activities minimize the impact on the ecosystems and the species within it. So that's like people not fishing with sticks of dynamite. Um, and then effective fisheries management. So that's controlling the operations that are well managed, making sure that fisheries are able to adapt to changing environmental circumstances. Essentially, you know, electricity prices increasing because government say so um <laughs> that's it that's that's, that's yeah. my news well thank you for that that is a that's a beacon in the darkness that is yeah it's not a i'd never thought i would hear that news if i'm honest fish are coming back 50 percent of fish stocks on the increase all recovered that's uh does it mean i can go out and start eating cod again or am i, am I still on the bass I'm pretty bass, sure uh, sorry, the North bass. Sea cod stocks are fudged. Okay. I don't mean fudged as in like, you know, skewed to make it look wrong. I mean, shit on. Yeah. Let me have a quick Google. Goggle. North Sea cod stocks. 2022. Oh, so there's the latest version. 2022. I can't imagine with like how trawlermen are, are affording fuel to go out if that's had an impact on it. Recent fall in cod numbers in the North Sea is due to a combination of fishing pressures and climate change. So that was from ICES, which is the International Council for the Exploration of the Sea. They basically do a lot of... Um, what's, what's the organisation that does the red endangered green is fine... Not WWE the wrestling one. Not WWE Panda Wrestling. Yeah. Um, it, they do the endangered list. Hang on. Endangered list. Wild, 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 wild wildlife? No, IUCN. IUCN. Remember, they, they do yes. the, the red list. ICs are basically like the IUCN of the sea. Ah, okay. They only do sea stuff, but they have a bit more uh, data. That's the International Union of Conversation of Nature, by the way. If anybody didn't know what the IUCN stood for. Yeah. Okay, so still on the down, it looks like. Cod, Haddock, Place, Whiting, Heron, and Scythe have pretty hard managed stocks it looks like and mm. they have catch limits anyway this is not what people want to be listening to on a podcast i am sure you could just go to a brexit meeting for that <laughs> that's, that's a good joke sorry that's a very uh, good funny joke that one is that's funny um especially relevant to our region <laughs> all right so before we move on though uh i was on tiktok the other day scrolling through as i do and there was and there was a um 
I was watching like how to pronounce things, and it's one of those Chinese English slash Americanization, like how to pronounce certain words. Because um, I always think it's something quite interesting, and I always try and like test myself. Uh, thorough nearly got me because I was reading it. I haven't read it in ages. <laughs> Because it's always one of those words that you kind of like skim over and your brain goes, yes, thorough. But it's like, I was like, T-H-O-R? Oh, what? What is... Um, (laughs) But she was just like, the plural of fish. (laughs) She was like, fish. And I was like, it depends. You have to put the caveat that it depends. (laughs) Um, I don't think so. Because the plural of fish is fish. Unless. But the... No, I guess. Because it's the one fish is a fish. Yeah. Two fish of the same kind is a fish. Three fish of different kinds, fishes. Yeah. So, you know, she's given false information. I mean, but we only discovered this last week, so we shouldn't put ourselves on too much of a high horse. <laughs> Always put yourself on the highest of horses and pedestals. The the highest, the mountains. Yeah. On a horse. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Right. Cool. The giraffe of horses. Before we uh, scold more people for (laughs) pluralizing things wrong. No. um, Having now, like, spoken Italian, especially in these weeks, like, much more than I was before, when I go to read or say English words that I don't normally say, mm-hmm. like the Italian kind of kicks in. Yeah. So like, you're exactly like when you're saying like thorough. If I was to look at that or a word that I don't normally say, I would say it wrong. And I do. And I just forget English words, especially when I'm in meetings with like my professors. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the English word for stage. Yeah. Do it's know, like this is not, really embarrassing. It's not. But yeah. There's a little bit of... um you got to be careful how you say that. Because there's a certain way and a certain tone that someone has said that to people for me, like, oh, sorry, I've forgotten the... Oh, yeah, because I speak so many languages. I've forgotten my, my native no, thing. I'd be yes. like, oh, okay, come, come on. Come off it. <laughs> no, but I, I genuinely forget the one word that I need. I just kind of look at them for like a few minutes, like, I'm sorry, it's just not coming to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you are, you are right. You need to uh, not be doing it in a boastful way. For sure, for sure. All right, I'll take that hint and move on to the facts. <laughs> uh, what have you got? What have you got for facts? Ah, yes, some good, some deliciously good facts. So obviously, these are facts about the Large Hadron Collider. We'll move quickly into d- describing what it is, some of its backgrounds, its purpose, and how much it costs. It's a spenny project, a mega project, even. So my first fact was that. When the 27-kilometer-long circular tunnel was excavated between the Lake of Geneva and the Jura mountain range, the two ends of the tunnel met up within one centimeter. I mean, that's not bad, is it? That's pretty accurate. Over that distance, it's absolutely incredible. Like, there's threading the needle, and then there's, like, threading the atomic needle. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, fair play. So fair play. It, it was built at an average depth of 100 metres due to geological considerations um, with a slight slope of 1.4%. And the depth varies between 175 metres, so that's under the Jura, and 50 metres, which is towards Lake Geneva. So depending if there's a mountain or there's a dip, um, 
Yeah, it changes. Ah. Okay. Like it's not on like a, a tilt, so it's close to the it's close to the surface at one point. It's just because of the way the the earth curves, and you know, there's bumps in it. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you go for one? You go for a, a fact if you've got any. Yeah, I remembered a fact this time. Unusual nice. for me. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, the Large Hadron Collider first turned on right on the 10th of september 2008 yep but what i didn't know is that it was first the the idea was first conceived on the 21st of march 1984 yes a long time before i thought it would have been conceived because it seems like such a massive up-to-date current project Obviously, I know the 80s wasn't actually that far away that mm-hmm. long ago. But still, didn't even have the internet, did they? They didn't. But I think there's, there was a lot of like amazing projects that were designed in the 80s and they had these really good ideas. These really wacky ideas in the 80s. But then when oh, we don't have the technology to do it, so we'll put it on hold for a little bit. Like, was yeah. it Avatar, the movie? Yes. Yeah. It's all the cocaine they were having. <laughs> I was going to say, those, it was the cocaine and all the drugs and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Technology with, slowed us with, down. Yeah, with Avatar, definitely. New oh, yeah. On, new one comes on soon, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, excited for that. Yeah, Mr. James Cameron's um, already getting a bit getting a bit, get a bit edgy with the release. He? Yeah, he's like, oh, people better not get sassy with the runtime. I'm like, oh, James Cameron, back in. Oh, it's going to be like half an hour, isn't it? I, I guarantee you it's going to be like three and a half hours. No, 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 no. It, I reckon if he's saying that's been an hour and a half, nah. that's my bet. We'll come back when it releases. <laughs> nah, that's going to be much longer than that. <laughs> if he's saying people are going to complain, oh, no, no, really yeah, no, not by the shortness, by how long it is. Oh, no, nah, we're all there for that. I'm not there for that. Give Especially me a, in a six cinema. hour epic. No. If it was a Break six hour epic, through. I, would, I, would, I would watch it at home and enjoy it, but I'm not. I what about when June Part 2 comes out and they put both of them on back-to-back in the cinema? You're not going to go see that? No, I haven't even seen the first one yet. I still haven't oh, seen mate. June. <laughs> so I'm not, oh, I'm not, mate. I've been over this. I'm not fussed about that universe. I'm, you know, you I'm will just, be. You, you know, will be. Anakin Skywalker. It's just, I hate sand. You just hate sand? Yeah, just, that's fair. I hate sand. That is fair. That's no, not true. <laughs> yeah. I do. I hate sand, of course. Silly everywhere. sand. Gets in my skin. Cool. Okay. Uh, I don't have any more facts. That was I've my, got, my one two, fact. I've got, two, I've got two more facts. Quite large oh. facts. Um, but I'll try and snap them down to size. So protons in the Large Hadron Collider travel at 0.9991 times the speed of light. Didn't know. Sorry, I lost you at the na 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 na. Yeah, it's pretty much like 0.9 recurring for then... Like, I think it's like seven or 0.9 recurring watt. Times the speed of light. So it's so close to the speed of light because it's nearly one. Ah, okay. Like, but it can't uh, go I the see, speed I of see, light because we can't yes. fire it that quickly. And each proton, if I said photon before, I apologize. Each proton goes round the 27 kilometer ring more than 11,000 times a second. A beam might circulate for more than 100 hours. So that means they've turned it on and they're firing it around. Um, and it will travel more than 100 billion kilometers 
which is enough to get to Neptune and back. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the particles are so tiny that the task of making them collide is like firing two needles 10 kilometers apart with this, such precision that they meet and collide halfway. Like, I've been getting back into my running at the moment and I've ran like five kilometers, albeit it took me way too long, but I can't imagine doubling that <laughs> doubling that distance and then being able to fire a needle at where I started and getting it to perfectly hit. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. I feel like they've not sold it as hard as it is because their distance is 27 kilometers divided by two so what three 13 and a half yeah. and it's a proton instead of a needle what <laughs> I, see, I see what you're saying but that's why they said the equivalent of because their distance, oh, okay. their distance is much greater well, that's what I'm saying. Their distance is greater and their object is smaller. Yeah. So really, they've made the 10 kilometers in a needle seem... That makes it seem easier than it is. I see what you're saying. But I think it's one of those cases where, like, stupid monkey brain and the humans can't, you know... That's can't fathom what's can't, going on. Yeah, can't fathom something going, yeah. like, that quickly <laughs> over that distance. 90% of the time, there's just a monkey symbol smashing it together in my head yeah so that's all right cool it's that, what's, like what's monkey last from um, toy story isn't it yes the one's like smashing uh each of the six to nine thousand superconducting filaments of the nobium titanium coiled between them make up the cables uh that to make up the cables is 0. 0.007 millimeter thick ah so they're Superconducting filaments that are, ra- are wrapped around are about 10 times thinner than the normal human hair. Which is mad. Yeah, and if you would put one after another, they would stretch from the Earth to the Sun and back six times with enough left over to do like 150 trips to the Moon. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. That's a lot of material to... It's so much. Firstly, make. Secondly, to not damage. Yeah. Thirdly, to place so it works. Mm-hmm. Damn. So, the superconductors, which are the key for construction of the, the 9,600 magnets installed in the Large Hadron Collider, each type of magnet uh, contributes to optimising the particle's trajectory as it goes around the ring. Uh, and it, is, it has to offset the effect of tides. So not everybody knows that the, the Earth's crust rises by around 25 centimetres in Geneva under the effect of these ground tides, which causes a variation of one millimetre in the circumference of the Large Hadron Collider uh, and produces major changes in the beam's energy and trajectory. And because of that, they have to calculate that and have these uh, filaments... And the superconducting uh, bits in place move and modify themselves to make sure that, you know, they fire that needle right. Madness. Sorry, I'm just not speaking. I'm trying to, like, (laughs) comprehend it. (laughs) That is... Yeah, the term Geneva and ground tides. 
Yeah. Which, Fair one. Yeah. So land tides affect the Earth's core and also rotation as well, if you didn't know. I did not. Yeah, absolutely crazy stuff. So another fact around that is the twice a day, the, well, what used to be the Twin Towers, uh, used to rise and fall 14 inches because of it. Yeah. It's just something you don't think about, isn't it? Like in your head, the <laughs> Earth is Earth. It's like that meme with Mr. Incredible. Math <laughs> is math. It's like ground is ground. Doesn't move. Ground doesn't move, but it does. It's always going up and oh, down. Oh, but it does. That's madness. And it doesn't affect... you got to think like... The reason it doesn't affect buildings and stuff when we can build on it is because we'd be like a grain of sand on this whole entire plate that moves. So, yeah, it's not really going to affect us. But it still yeah, happens. no, exactly. But if you build something big enough, like the Large Hadron Collider, it's going to have some effect. Yeah. Buildings are normally quite concentrated, aren't mm. they? Upwards, right? Whereas the Hadron Collider is spread out. Yeah. So it makes sense. Wide, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So what is it then? All right. Tom? Let's get into What is the Large Hadron Collider? Um... I wanted to quickly go over the standard model. Do you think that should be done now or later? Let's go standard model because it makes more sense if people know about like quirks, models, particles, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to go like full physic model, kind of read it out for you kind of thing because I think the most important thing is just understanding the, the principle of what the standard model is, right? Yeah, go for it. So... It's important to mention this because otherwise we won't know why the whole Large Hadron Collider even comes into existence or why the next few years are going to be quite important. So the standard model of particle physics is the theory describing three of the four known fundamental forces being electromagnetic, weak, strong interactions, and uh, it omits gravity, so it can't explain gravity in the universe, and classifies all known elementary particles. So the particles that make up the elements. Mm -hmm. It was developed in stages throughout the latter half of the 20th century through the work of many scientists. And the current formulation was finalized in the mid 1970s. However, the standard model is believed to be theoretically self-consistent and it has demonstrated huge success in providing experimental predictions. However, it leaves some stuff unexplained. For example, it doesn't explain baryon asymmetry. Mm -hmm. It doesn't incorporate the full theory of gravity as described by general relativity or account for the universe's accelerated expansion as possibly described by dark energy. So basically, we have this model and we're like, yeah, this is the model that describes how everything works. Mm -hmm. But we know it's wrong because while it's right for 90% of the things, it still doesn't explain gravity. It doesn't match up with uh, Einstein's predictions. It gets a lot of uh, experimental results correct in advance. So we're like, okay, well, we know it's correct on these levels. But we don't know how to mesh it together with other things. 
And I guess the Large Hadron Collider and other experiments like that are what's going to help us kind of pull apart the tiny pieces of the universe a bit more to try and help us understand Mm -hmm. the standard model even more and how maybe things like quarks and other fundamental particles fit in to the model and how they interact with gravity maybe mm-hmm. um so yeah that's not going into super duper detail that's just to try and make it understandable for anyone who's listening including myself <laughs> as not a it's, physicist yeah that's fair that's fair do you know what so, yeah. when i was doing this research it's like i thought it was really funny that it came up so elementary particles are a thing which are like as, it, as the smallest building blocks of, of the universe. But quarks are, or quarks, are one of these elementary particles. And it was described in one of the researchers as having six flavors. And I was like, right. And the six different types are up, down, charm, strange, top, and bottom. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a wild night out. <laughs> Right? Yeah, and they, they usually combine into groups of twos and threes to form hadrons, such as protons, neutrons that make up atomic nuclei. But like they described like that, I was just like, interesting. <laughs> this guy has been working on that theory for way too long. He is way too comfortable with quarks. Yeah, if that's what he's coming um, out with. Um, but that's part of some of the latest news that has come out with the hadron colliders. We'll come back to that in a little bit. There's new exotic yeah. particles flying around. And what's interesting, I'm going to say this now, but before I forget, let's let we can count this as a fact, if we, if you will. Um, the Large Hadron, Hadron Collider hasn't been on since 2018, I believe. Uh, so four years. Yes, 2018. And they're still looking at the data from that three-year tr- trial period. And mm-hmm. every month they are finding something new, said one of the people actually on uh, uh, from CERN, the, obviously the place where the Large Hadron Collider is. So they're saying still, four years later, they're still finding new observations every month from the amount of data they got from the second run. Yeah, I did have a fact that was to do with the data that they, they're collecting and it being like in the hundreds of millions of terabytes it's an absurd amount. <laughs> it's an absolutely absurd amount of data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what is the Large Hadron Collider then? Well, first and foremost, it's the world's largest and highest energy particle collider. I always find it funny when scientists just go, we really want people to understand that this is the biggest one. <laughs> and they actually name it just like Large <laughs> Well, I mean, they name it this large is... because there's a small one, if you didn't know. I did not. I mean, it is what it says on the tin. It is the, the large one. Yeah. So... so there's the Small Hadron Collider, which was uh, made, well, unveiled in the 1970s, um, which was a smaller version made at CERN, near Geneva, I guess still, and it used magnets to accelerate and then bring together two beams of of protons or particles and it was the world's first hadron collider it was only 150 meters across uh and the design of the isr boost which was the you have 
rings that start small and get bigger. And it's like, if you if you didn't know, the SR-71 engine, <laughs> this is the spy plane, if you didn't know, they had to use a Spitfire engine to start it because it, you needed that as like a, a kick motor. Right. So it's this, this the same kind of thing. You need these smaller rings to start it, make it accelerate quicker. But those were only like bitty compared. Um, yeah. So that's where it started. The small Hadron Collider. Fair. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it really? That's what we are here to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm taking down some facts or some info about it. Yeah. And it's a bit more about how it works. Okay, I well, suppose. yeah, that's all. Yeah, we've, we've described what it is, how big it is, where it is. Let's, let's go through how, how it works. All right, so inside the accelerator or this 27-kilometer-long ring, I suppose, there mm-hmm. are two high-energy particle beams that travel close to the speed of light, as Mitch, you mentioned very correctly before, mm-hmm. and they are forced to collide. So if you watch Ghostbusters and it says don't cross the beams, yeah, they do it, right? And this made a lot of people angry in 2010 when they first turned it on. Yeah, the world is going to blow up. Yeah, and again in 2015. (laughs) Yeah, we all lived through that. Again in 2022. (laughs) Uh, If if you're scared that it's going to create a black hole this time, they turned it on three days ago. So you're fine. (laughs) You're safe. Don't worry. We're past that point. Um, But every single second, I don't know if you come across this fact, the beams cross each other. So particles could, there's a chance of a particle colliding 14 billion times a second. Wow. Which is an absurd amount. Yeah. It's going so quickly, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So the beams travel in opposite directions in separate beam pipes. So imagine you've got one going clockwise, one anti-clockwise. Um, and these tubes are kept at ultra-high vacuum. The vacuum mm-hmm. created in these tubes is even more of a vacuum than you find in space. Mm-hmm. Again, Wild. Yeah. Um, so they are guided around the accelerator by strong magnetic fields maintained by superconducting electromagnets, mm-hmm. as Mitch described earlier. And they're built from coils of special electric cable that operates in a superconducting state. Basically, what that means is these coils are made really cold, minus 271.3 degrees Celsius, or pretty much near absolute zero. Um, again, colder than outer space. Yeah, do you know the biggest fridge is in CERN? Is it? Yeah, they've got the Guinness World Record for it. Oh, <laughs> because fair. Because there's like a room where they keep, uh, they use helium, liquid helium, to to con- like to keep things cold in the superconductors. And yeah. that room, I think they technically store some food in it for like long-term oh. storage. So it actually met the requirements, requirements to be called a fridge. Oh, fair play. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I just realized that what I was saying about yeah, having an ultra high vacuum more than a vacuum of space is probably incorrect because yeah. space is a complete vacuum. Yeah. Um, what I meant was the coldness. I meant that about the coldness. It's colder than space. Um, so yeah, apologies for that, that it, mistake. It uh, blew up, didn't it? There was an error. Did it? Yeah, there was an electrical error and it caused one ah. of the superconductors to break and it leaked. And I think it leaks like six tons of helium. 
That's upsetting. It is upsetting, but it isn't into the environment. They had uh, off shoots and off, like, uh, what are they called? Emergency outlets. So if something right. like this does That's happen, good. it goes into a place. But yeah. Um, Still not ideal, is it? No, it, it put things back by a few months, which, to be fair, I thought was actually quite impressive. Yeah. To recover that and make sure it's all safe again still. Fair play. Um, So thousands of these magnets of different varieties and sizes are used to direct beams around the accelerator. They include 1,235 dipole magnets, 15 meters in length. So mahusive magnets. They bend the beams around the accelerator. 392 quadrupole magnets, which are each 5 to 7 meters long which then focus the beams. So imagine you had a big mess of beams going around the tube. They kind of get focused like you would uh, a beam of light with a Mm -hmm. magnifying glass. Mm -hmm. Then just prior to collision, another type of magnet is used to squeeze the particles closer together to increase the chance of collisions. The particles are so tiny that the task of making them collide is that very analogy you used earlier of 10 kilometers and two needles so not easy. No, not at all. But they did it. But that's the thing. It's not like they fire it up once to go, right, we're going to make these two particles collide. It's more of a, okay, we're going to fire it up and we're going to hope that some of them collide whilst we're watching. Because yeah. you, it's so fine. The particles, you know, because they're basically just protons, right? They're so small. Mm-hmm. And... It's not assured that they are going to collide, even when you've got 14 billion chances a second. Yeah, that is true. But is that the chances are relatively high, I would say. Yes, but especially they, now with yeah. the more recent upgrades and things like that they've put on. Yes, and it's one of the, the future, the latest news, the upgrades, and yeah. why they had another um, long shutdown, as they called it. Oh, I did not know. Um, so I think that kind of covers... Slightly how it works. Yes. Magnets, Big old helium, magnets. <laughs> it's particles. Always, what's it? The, the Harry Potter meme. It's always you three. Magnets. <laughs> Why is it always you three? Superconductors and helium. And lasers. And oh. lasers. Yeah, it's always lasers. <laughs> always people, lasers. People doing crazy things with lasers. They need to pack it in. Or not. I mean, it's, it's ah, some no, great content. Yeah, don't. Don't be... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, one of the new things they've come up with is very interesting on actually they're just stripping elements away from each other mid-flight. So maybe, maybe we'll come on to that in a bit. Interesting. Um, what if, what else have you got to, to look at here? Um, I, you know, I, I had a bit on what it was. Uh, so Biggest Collider took like 10,000 scientists collaboration between 1998 and 2008 over 100 countries coming together um that's how you know it's not a conspiracy theory right 10,000 people involved and not one of them let a little bit slip <laughs> yeah i don't believe it for a second uh the first collision 2010 was achieved at an, at an energy of 3.5 tera electron volts a beam. Um, it's a lot. So if it's in the, yeah, that <laughs> is a lot. <laughs> well, you need yeah. to know it's a lot. Um, do you know what we were saying about the, the collisions in like a second and how remarkable it is that they're capturing it? There's actually four crossing points 
where the accelerated particles collide. Ah, okay. So right. there's actually, yeah, four, four different sections there. There's seven detectors, each designed to detect a different phenomena, and they are positioned around the crossing points. Uh, the LHC, the Large Hadron Collider, we're going to use, I'm going to use like short term for it now, like LHC. Um, primarily, we're, we're 50 minutes into the into the <laughs> yeah. show. We can we can use the abbreviation now. <laughs> yeah, it's like a what's it? Dissertation. The first time you say, you have to say the whole thing. Like every time after, that, you can say <laughs> the acronym. Um, primarily collides proton beams, but it also can ex- it also accelerates beams of heavy ions. So that's lead lead collisions and proton lead collisions. That's what you said, and that's typically performed one month a year. They do different collisions. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, it cost around 7.5 billion euros. It is the <laughs> most expensive scientific instrument ever built. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, know. what are they doing with that money, you know? Yeah, we are. <laughs> putting it inside the Hadron well, Collider and blowing it up. I imagine that it's used for the energy bill to run the thing. <laughs> <laughs> At the current, current prices. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, climate cl- climate change wasn't here 12 years ago, but yeah, it is now. No, so, you know, didn't exist. LHC. Um, it, if you didn't know, it, it doesn't... Because electricity costs are lower during the summer, the LHC normally does not operate over the winter months. So they do take that into account of when, like, energy prices are high. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, at the moment, I can't imagine. They may be having a downturn in how many times they're running it. Right. Um, well, if we're high at the summer, it'll be the cheapest now, won't it, to run? Energy being cheap at the moment is not something that exists, <laughs> sadly. No, I know, but you, I thought you were saying, like, in compared to the winter, when it goes up, they just turn it off. Yeah. So I'm saying if we're midsummer now. Are we midsummer? Nearly. Feels like midsummer. Mid midsummer's for us next week. Hottest hottest week apparently it's gonna be for next week. Can't wait. Oh, what what are you getting? Uh, like twenty six, twenty seven. Oh nightmare. It's just absolutely stupid for like UK. Just absolutely. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like anything, oh. anything above twenty in the UK is absolutely absolutely ridiculous. No, we used to get thirty. Nah, no, no, no. In the summer, <laughs> barely. Like one day. Yeah, okay, we had, like, hottest day on record and the thingy was, like, 30. This is, like, 27, 28 consistency over a whole week. Yeah. High pressure is out. High pressure pushing the heat and compressing it down to the lower atmosphere, causing it to be very muggy on the streets. I was watching the news earlier. (laughs) 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 The meteorologist was doing it. Yeah, I was doing a great job selling it. Um, Well, if we ever see you (laughs) become the next weather... You need a uh, degree reporter. in meteorology for that, don't you? Need, you need something that proves that you know what you're chatting about. You can't just read off a cue sheet. Nah, mate, you could blag that easy oh, peasy, I, I, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, there's runs and off periods for the, the Hadron Collider, as you've said. There's periods that they turned it off. So the first run was its first operational run, which was between 2009 and 2013. And that's where they started doing the experiments when they first achieved, you know, the, the very high terra electron volt beams. Um, the first experiments got the first massive amount of data, and then had they decided to do a planned shutdown, so it wasn't because of anything in 2015, to allow upgrades to happen to get it to a seven terra electron volt beam. So uh, in 2013, they shut down 
um, but they postponed the shutdown actually to allow additional data to be obtained before it was shut down. So they pushed it a little bit back a bit. Oh, that's good. So the first long shutdown, which is long shutdown number one, was between 2013 and 2015. And that was to do the two-year upgrade, um, which was to touch on many aspects of the uh, Large Hadron Collider, um, enabling a collision of 14 terrestrial votes, so double what they they thought. They put enhanced detectors on, pre-accelerators, so they called it the Proton Synchrotron and Super Proton Synchrotron. Uh, as well it's replaced its ventilation system uh, and 100 kilometres of cabling which is absolutely ridiculous um, just a little bit just a little bit just a small amount of cabling uh, the upgraded collider began its long startup and testing process of June of 14 so it took nearly a year in its startup process and to test like all the boosters and things worked until the second run started, which is in 2015, and that lasted to 2018, um, where it's, you know, spooled up, got a lot of good stuff. They managed to, you know, combine protons. They actually managed to only get to 13, 10 much versus the 14 ones that you projected. Um, yeah, crazy stuff. But it's still higher. It's 4.6% higher energy. Yeah, than it was last time, which doesn't sound a lot, right? But when you're talking about 14 billion yeah. uh, electron volts, 4.6 is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. You know? It only seems like, oh, yeah, that's two extra digits in your head, but you've got to think, like, that is two... <laughs> On a scale we're not meant to think about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so 2016, the machine operation focused on luminosity of proton to proton collisions in 2017 it was i believe proton to lead collisions then uh the 2018 physics ran began on the 17th and then stopped december of 2018 uh which included four weeks of lead to lead collisions and then long shot down two which just finished uh which was 2018 to 2022 um the lse and the whole cern accelerated complex was maintained and upgraded So the whole accelerator was upgraded. The goal of the upgrades was to implement the higher luminosity large Hadron Collider, so the HLLHC project that increased the the luminosity by a factor of 10. As you do. As you do. So increasing everything by a factor of 10. Um, Yeah. And now we've just had the, the run three. So the third operational run has just started. It's yeah, three again. days ago as of this coming out. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a really cool uh, new device on there, which should increase the chance of collisions. Yes. Which I think is really, really interesting. So it's called the Linear Accelerator or LINAC 4. Um, and rather than injecting protons into the system as they used to before, what it's going to do is boost negatively charged hydrogen ions, which are basically protons that have two electrons uh, accompanying them. Mm-hmm. As the ions move through the LINAC-4 uh, device, the electrons are stripped away to just leave the protons behind, and interweaving these ions allows tighter bunches of protons to be formed, resulting in narrower beams of protons increasing the rate of collisions because if you have a narrower beam yeah. it's more focused right so you mm-hmm. can aim it better but i just imagine it like um 
There was that game show that wasn't on for that long, but I think it came from like Wipeout or something. It was like where you have to hold your shape as you jump through. Oh, a wall. yes, yes, yes. I know. And I, all I imagine is like a proton being forced through a tiny little hole and these electrons being knocked off yeah, <laughs> as it's sent through a thing. Uh, of course, I'm sure it's much more complicated than that. <laughs> but uh, for yeah. us non-physics people, we can just imagine it like that and it suffices, right? Yeah. So along with everything else, the, the new technological upgrades are to provide greater precision, uh, increased collision rates, higher collision energy, upgraded data readout, uh, selection systems, new detector systems, and a whole new computing infrastructure. So they essentially went through and just upgraded every all the old technology to new technology. So, yeah. yeah. And pretty exciting stuff. Out of the latest news, they've already found three new exotic particles. Oh, see, I saw that, right? Yeah. And I didn't know if that was like a prediction because it was so soon after they turned it <laughs> no, on. No, no, that's, that's already a thing. So uh, they have observed three never-before-seen particles, a new kind of pentaquark, and the first ever pair of tetraquarks. So do you know earlier I was talking about the elementary particles, elementary particles, which are the building blocks of the universe? Yes. And they, so elementary particles, they've got no internal structure. If you didn't, if this is, this is what I'm trying to get to. Right. So researchers, They are like the smallest of the small. Yeah. They, researchers think about them as like zero dimensional points that take up no space. Which is weird to say. Okay. Um, yeah. So <laughs> if I'm, if you're doing like explain like I'm five, like a table is made out of molecules. Yeah. Molecules are made out of protons, electrons, and neutrons. Yeah. The protons are made out of quarks. Yes. The quarks are as small as you can go. Yeah. So quarks okay. yeah, are, yeah, are essentially that. And then depending on if you've got like a, um, when you combine quarks, they make different things. Okay. So and depending on what flavors, as we said earlier, they come in. So up, down, charm, strange, top and bottom. If you combine them in different ways, they make up different things. So protons, neutrons... Um, that kind of stuff. So right. what they found, but because more rarely you you see a combination of four quarks or five quarks or, or tetraquarks um, and pentaquarks, and these new penta and tetraquarks are like the first time they've actually managed to see them. So they've got a new type of tetraquark, um, and yeah, it's just it's crazy. I just, I just don't it's get it. It's a bit mental, isn't it? Yeah. So but how, how excited you must be to be on that project and oh, that happens. Yeah. If you, That's really cool. And to think that was, that must have been what, the first, second day it was on? Yeah. Which is, and it was what quite crazy to me, being only like 20, 30-ish. They predicted these exotic hadrons. So that's what they, they called them. As well as with the Hadron Collider, um, nearly t- like six decades ago, and now only in the past twenty years they've been able to be observed, and in the last two like well days, three they, days, three <laughs> days they've observed like these these ones that got like hypothesized all those years ago. That's mad. Yeah, this is going to be a strong week for science. <laughs> So we've had that, week. and then we got the James Webb Space Telescope in a few days. That's yeah. Oh, 
Boris Johnson no longer the leader of the Conservative Party. It's looking like a good week. I'm enjoying this week. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not a political show. <laughs> All opinions voiced by Mitchell are Mitchell's alone and do not represent the opinion of the Information Entry Podcast. <laughs> You're right, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Good week. Good, good, good week. Good week. Um... So what I'm hoping for here is, you know, the last time the Large Hadron Collider was turned on was 2015. And that was like the last good year, right? Before Brexit, before Orange Dorito Man. Yeah. uh, Before just a lot of things. So what the theory is that actually it did suck us onto a dark timeline, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping this time we get changed into a different timeline as well. And it's just a bit better than this one. Because it have to be a lot better, some, some universe. Of, yeah, some people have said that. Uh, some some good things have started to happen. So they think the the collisions starting again has actually put us on the right track. Oh, really? It's it just like, shifted... Yeah, shunted us into a good universe. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we can hope. I mean, my, my comeback there is like, surely if we all got shifted at the same time to an alternate timeline, then it wasn't alternate because everyone moved, right? It only becomes an alternate one when like a few people are in the wrong one. No? No. Did the other one just no, stop it, existing? Nah, yeah, it, it is alternate though, isn't it? Because it doesn't, it doesn't matter if we all move or one of us moves. You're not in the same starting point. You're not along that original track. Even if it is that everybody gets moved, it's still different. But then what happened to the people in this track already? Uh, there doesn't have to be people in this track already. No? No. We're not, we're not, but if the to, Large Hadron have... Collider was always going to be turned on, surely that that was part of the determined track already? No, because we're not just we're not saying that we're shifting into another universe that has like humans and everything and that kind of stuff. We're saying right. like... A new branch has been created. Okay. So it doesn't, there wouldn't be people there. All right. All right. Well, let's see. Let's hope we've shifted one to the left. Do you know what? Back. It'll be a new timeline if I like win the lottery. That'll, that'll confirm it. Okay. Well, let's go out and buy the lottery. Yeah. You're a million. Yeah. And see what happens. Okay. Cool. But if we both win, that'll be something strange. <laughs> oh, imagine. Imagine. All right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Alternate universes, Large Hadron Colliders? Um, the, I was going to say the conspiracy theories have kicked off about like matter and antimatter and how the universe can't exist and they've proved it. There was, like, there's already stuff about people going on and like, yeah, they've just proved that the universe can't actually exist because there's antimatter that doesn't make sense. And was like... Okay, well, doesn't if, make sense if it doesn't, yet if it doesn't, to us. If we don't exist <laughs> and nothing exists and the universe isn't supposed to exist, I'll just keep on living. All right, you, you can have your theories. I'll just be, yeah. I'll be sat over here. It's like if it doesn't exist, then obviously that's not right because we're here. Yeah, like you've got your own mind to think about your own experience. Like and this is how you waste it. Yeah, <laughs> conspiring and <laughs> theorizing. Mm-hmm. I think it really should be called conspiracy hypotheses. Because they're not theories, are they? They're not proved yet. Yeah. It's not not as catchy, though. No, it's not. 
like hypotheses <laughs> theory uh conspiracy hypotheses conspiracy conspiracies and trying to merge those two all yeah anyway cool well thanks for joining (laughs) i hope this has been an interesting episode on the large hadron collider Mm -hmm. um i guess that will bring us to a wrap don't forget to share this with your friends families co-workers if you know anyone at cern and you think this will annoy them send it their way and show us a video of them reacting to everything we've said wrong because that would be hilarious um Mm. Your dog. Your dog deserves to listen to this as well. Yeah. Every listen counts. And uh, if you want more information, fun, and science, you can follow us on Twitter at InfoEntropyPod, Instagram, InformationEntropyPod, and, of course, whichever directory you're listening to the podcast on as well. Don't forget to give us a rating. It helps us out absolutely massively. And if you're able to leave a comment where you are, we'd appreciate that as well. So, yeah. yeah. Anything, anything, any last thing you'd like to shout out? Uh... No, I'm good, thanks. Awesome source. Well, he's been Mitchell Gatting. I've been Tom Jenks. This has been the Information Entropy Podcast. We hope we haven't confused you too much. (laughs) Probably, though. Probably, though. Probably. All right, we'll catch you guys next week. And it will actually be a new topic, I think. We don't... I don't have much else to speak about, so... We'll surprise you. Yeah. Two different topics on the trot. We treat you guys. Right. Peace. Peace.